Thanks so much for coming to my show, guys. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm excited. So am I. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Let's start in the beginning. Give a quick introduction who you are and what you do. We can start with Courtney. Okay. Uh, my name is Courtney Miley. I am an intuitive abstract artist. That's the best way I could describe it. Um, I, I run an art practice out of my studio, which is right outside my home. Um, I have four teenagers, well, three adults and a t teenager. I'm almost done <laughs> with children. I've been married for, I don't know, it seems like forever, but I believe it's been 21 years or 22 years, actually. And I've been painting for, oh, I've been probably about 11 years, I guess. You know, professionally, probably about eight of those. Okay. Yeah. All right. What about you, Sensei? Super professional. I, um, <laughs> <laughs> my name is Sensei. Uh, I work as a gallery curator in Baton Rouge, one half of an organization called LMNOP, which is pronounced like the alphabet. Mm -hmm. Um, we also work to manage specific projects and portfolios of fine artists that are located in Baton Rouge and in surrounding areas. So in Louisiana. So where does the name come from? The name of the <laughs> gallery? <laughs> um, the name comes from about 75 names written down on a sheet of paper. I was going to transport those names into my computer and I needed the Wi-Fi password of the building that I was in. And they said the password is LMNOP. And then I turned to my now business partner and said, hey, write that down. That sounds like a really interesting name. And I think that we should use it uh, for, for the company. And it made it to the cut as number one. Wow. <laughs> sounds so random. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've just found that most uh, really good artistic decisions are calculated, but they can appear to be extremely random. Tell me about the nature of your painting process. Where does it start? Well, it, it's, it has evolved so much over the years on how it starts. Um, it would be easier, I guess, if I go back to the beginning. Um, I wasn't always a um, large scale or canvas painter, I guess you would say. I started out as a um, an art journaler, um, for lack of a better word. Um, it was something I did to fill my time while I was um, in, in the process of a lot of waiting. Um, I had a daughter who was diagnosed with cancer at seven, I believe. Um, or right before she turned seven. And so we lived, she had leukemia and she's wonderful now. She's, she's uh, going to be 18 in a week and everything's great. But at the time we lived at St. Jude and I had a lot of um, extra time. You know, we just did a lot of waiting, you know, just sitting there and, you know, um, you can only read so much or sit so much that um, I happened to be going through YouTube and found someone that was art journaling. And it was something I felt like I could do 
while I was there. You know, so at the time, at that time, our practice was just very personal. Um, it was something to keep my mind off of the moment. Um, it was something that we did together, her and I, to to pass the time. Um, we did a lot of art, a lot of can't. The, the hospital was amazing about giving us art supplies. So we always had art supplies. We just something we did, like while she was having chemo or, you know, to distract her from, um, you know, pain or anything like that. And so at the time, like I said, it was very personal. As she got better and we spent more time at home, it became this, oh, wait, I, kinda, I do really like this. I want to continue doing this even though I'm at home and, you know, things were sort of getting back to normal if you, if they ever got back to normal. But, um, and so I, it still was very personal, but it was more of a practice more. I wanted to learn. I wanted to absorb. And now it's become more of a um, discovery thing for me where I just come in here and um, it, it starts when I wake up, it starts when I see things, hear things, I come in and I try to put them down on paper and, and um, I try to communicate with the canvas and myself and uh, uh, try to um, discern or take apart my days and put them in compartments, I guess, on canvas and in journals. And, and now it's more of, I want to share these things with people where before it was something that was very, very personal. Now it's more, I enjoy communicating with others through my canvases and through my work. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's all just very intuitive. It's it's based on, you know, my daily life and how I go about it, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. So is it uh, acrylic painting? I do mostly acrylic, but I am, uh, my practice is more of, of let's just see what happens, you know, mm-hmm. like it just, so I use just about everything. Um from oil sticks to acrylic markers to ink. So it's, it's a little bit of everything. Okay. It's whatever works in the moment. How do you know if you have a successful painting or not? <laughs> that, I guess, that is based on the viewer and myself, but on a different level. Um, I might find it to be extremely successful and feel good to me. And it's, it's what I want to say. And it may just go right past everybody. Like, it's just not something that, you know, resonated with them, but it obviously was a piece that I needed to get out. So six personally, that was successful, but then there's just pieces that people see and they just, it resonates with them and that's a success. And I may not even really resonate with my own painting sometimes, but when other people do, it's, you know, so it's a different levels of success of mm-hmm. you know, each painting, you know, it really depends on the painting um, mm-hmm. and where it's at, you know, well, some may your- not be a success for years. <laughs> you know? So what's your favorite color? You know, that's hard. I, I would have to say I don't have a favorite color, but if you ask other people, they would tell you my favorite color is blue. Okay. Which is very strange for me because I never liked blue. I never wore blue, but it tends to show up <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> so so I'd have to say blue it seems to be that unconscious, you know, that, that color that just draws me in without me even realizing it most of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it tends yeah. to represent a lot more yeah. than just, you know, one thing. Like red, a lot of people think red's passion and um, things like that. But blue is serenity and it can be confusion all at once. 
Yeah, a lot of people uh, love blue color, and I think it's because it's associated with the sky and the sea. And I think most people enjoy, you know, well, enjoy vacationing too. <laughs> you know, so it, cover, it covers in a range of emotions for me, I guess, because like you said, the ocean, which I'm terrified of. You know, so there's that blue, but, you know, then the sky, you know, which is, I mean, who doesn't like to relax and just stare up into the sky, but it, it just covers so much. So how do you find your artist and decide with whom you would like to work? Well, there's two different processes. Um, with, the, with the artists that we work with on a regular, consistent basis, all of that's more organic and a personal relationship. Uh, for me and my business partner, we'd rather work with people that we really like personally mm -hmm. and that they also share that same mutual respect and like us uh, as individuals. You know, mm -hmm. doing business with someone is can be fun, but it also can be horrific if the, you know, if the right elements aren't in play. So mm -hmm. it, it works to have a really great personal relationship with the individuals. Um, with Courtney, we met Courtney in 2018, at the fourth quarter of 2018, at an outdoor festival downtown mm -hmm. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And she just had a really vibrant personality. She was there with her husband. He had a really calming, charismatic spirit. And we kept in contact and it over time grew into we have different opportunities if you'd like to participate in a solo show we have different opportunities if you would like to participate in a group show and the relationship grew from there um, with the artists that we work with from a gallery standpoint and showcasing that just comes from keeping our ears to the ground and really finding out who's producing new work, who's producing work that's unique to our area, who's producing uh, work that most individuals in our area have not seen before. And we want to be able to give them the opportunity to highlight their talents and their achievements on and off the campus. So how do you find your uh, pool of artists? Do, do you accept submissions? Uh, do you go to art festivals? Uh, do you look through the magazines? What's your way of doing it? I'm the type of person, I don't meet a stranger. So as you could okay. tell, when you and I had our first conversation, it was as if we had known each other. I just wanted to talk. And mm -hmm. I will speak to anybody when it comes to the art. So that's first. Uh, I, don't, I don't meet a stranger. I'll talk to anybody and ask them what they have going on. <laughs> Everything is extremely personal um, because the art industry is extremely personal. Well, especially mm -hmm. here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It's a very intimate process. <clears throat> there aren't buyers who are just tossing thousands of dollars, hundreds of dollars toward the pool of artists it comes from a very personal relationship if they enjoy the person's personality if they enjoy the person's story if they enjoy the person's art that's what translates into more success from being introduced to more people 
being introduced to more buyers, more collectors. So everything is, we don't take this uh, national or grand scale of art submissions because to me that seems so informal. I'd rather, mm, I'd rather speak with two to three artists that I have a really good relationship with and I really enjoy their work and I understand their story versus having a dossier of 15, 20 artists that I don't know who they really are and then I'm unable to truly represent their work in, in the best way possible. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> well, and to add to that, when he talks about being personal with his artists, mm -hmm. like my my children, my kids know Sensei and his business partner very very well. He, they they keep up with my family, so it's it's really um, when he says a personal, it's an all around a relationship we have. He's very close with my husband, and you know my husband's a musician. They come out, they support him, and you know things like that. It's a whole like when they put into their artists that are in that you know, that main circle of getting them out there. He, he, they really mean it is a personal relationship. It sounds like it's more like a family of people. Oh, yeah, because family will tell you the truth. You know, <laughs> I, I, have, I have a lot of ideas, and sometimes I believe that they're the best ideas, and sometimes they believe that they are not so the best ideas, and that's okay. And that's mm -hmm. the only way that you can continue to grow as a team because everyone has their own individual personal and professional goals. So in order for me to really, really be effective, then I need to know who that person is. I really need to know what that person wants to accomplish. I, I have to believe in that person almost more than they believe in their own ability uh, mm -hmm. because there are a lot of times artists aren't as confident in their work or in their process and they don't see what the onlookers see mm -hmm. so yeah the family dynamic is extremely important and i'm an only child so i want my family to be as like large as possible <laughs> <laughs> all right courtney um, who or what is your greatest influence? Well, I guess most artists would say, you know, these these other big artists are, you know, and there's a lot of artists that influence me as far as liking their work. But honestly, like truly honest, my family is probably my biggest, my biggest influence. I have um, a husband who is an amazing singer songwriter. Um, and we work very closely together with both of our arts. Um, and two of my daughters are also artists. Um, I have a, my oldest daughter, who's 20, is um, in the arts. Who's, she's about to have her first solo show. And she, being only 20, I'm just so inspired by her. We do very, very completely different work from she does hyperrealism. And I'm just so amazed by her choices and her abilities, along with my other daughter, um, which was the one who had cancer, her art just came out of nowhere, it seemed like. And um, it's just, they just push me um, so much. And they're just so inspiring, just watching them deal with, watching these young adults go through life in general. And then with everything we have going on in the world, for them to choose arts as an outlet, 
you know, with everything that they have, I just think it's so amazing. And my other two are the biggest cheerleaders I have. And there's nothing more inspiring than, than that to have, you know, people behind you pushing you. And um, they've always gotten, they keep me very humble, which, you know, they're, you know, they're very truthful about things, but ultimately they, they really inspire me the most um, living six people in a home. You can always find something to draw from some experience that we're very tight. Um, uh, I would say unusually close just because of what we've been through. Um, so they really, they, they push me and being pushed and believed in um, to me inspires me the most to continue doing, you know, what I do, you know, cause mm-hmm. it, it gets tough being a, being an artist is very lonely, but mm-hmm. I, you know, they, they always pulled that, that out of me. You know. And how old is your youngest child? He will be 15 on Friday. Oh, they're, they're all grown up. Yeah, they're, they're getting, we won't discuss that, though. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of sad, but yeah, they're, um, they're an interesting group. And then living with another artist, you know, it always keeps it, um, keeps me on my toes. So what kind of music does your husband write? In what? Well, he field? is a he he's very hard to describe he sings just about everything plays everything but his music that he writes is very personal very singer songwriter um guitar music and it's um, it's always nice for us to get together and he plays and i paint and you know it's very inspiring so what's your biggest challenge as an artist well i would think the biggest challenge as an artist and being so alone all the time is hearing your own thoughts about your work. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so nice to have, you know, um, a community because like, like Kedrick said, it's, it's, you know, the believing in yourself that, that uh, imposter syndrome. I mean, that's gotta be the most difficult thing. I mean, even this morning I woke up and I was like, why am I even doing, why am I going on this podcast? Like, why am I going to talk about my work? You know, nobody cares. Nobody, you know, I'm in here alone doing my thing. You know, so you have to fight that daily of, you know, you might be a little spot on the map of all the artists out there, but you're still the only one that does what you do. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the, I, my story is the only one I can tell. Uh, I, no one can tell. I mean, someone else can tell my story, but it's never going to have those details in it that I can give it. So, but I, I would think that's probably the most difficult thing is just believing in myself on a, on a daily basis. You know, not just when I produce work that I think it's fabulous or, you know, not just when somebody buys the painting or collects the painting, you know, just believing myself every day. I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm an artist, you know, I'm a, I'm a cook, I'm a draw, you know, all these little things I do, I have to believe that I can do them all and I do them to my best ability and I have to remind myself you're doing the best you can. So um, your way of dealing with the imposter syndrome is to uh, remind yourself that You can do it. I, that I can. I can do. It. I know. I see so many people do difficult things every day, you know. And I've done much more difficult things than paint a painting, you know. Um, when you face life and death, you think I could throw some paint and and I can do that, you know. <laughs> like I can I can enjoy this, but it is. I have to tell myself every day, you know, mm-hmm. that this is possible. I can, you know, support myself with my art that I can. And, you know, when it all comes down to it, it, it's, it's still a very personal thing. So whether, you know, 
on those hard days, I don't believe in myself. I'm still going to paint. I'm still going to do something creative, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's just the keep going to be, you know, that to beat that imposter syndrome. Yeah, I think it's because our art has this healing quality. So whatever we do as artists kind of heals us and heals other people. So... It's sure. like uh, fighting with the <laughs> imposed syndrome on one hand and, you know, healing on the other. <laughs> For sure. It, I, and that's the thing. It always draws me back in. I can come in and have a horrible day in the studio, spilling paint, dropping this, ugly canvases. But there's something that came out of that. And I'm back in the studio the next day or in a couple of days when I lick my wounds, I come back in and, you know, always, there's always a lesson to learn. There's always, you know, there's always some healing, whether I see it in the moment or not. I don't believe I would have made it through um, what we did, you know, the, with my daughter, I don't think I would have made it through sanely if I hadn't had art, mm-hmm. if I hadn't had that creative outlet to, to, um, to go to for sure. Yeah, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. That's horrible. Yeah, I, it was, can't, it was I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah, it was tough. And it was a long period, like three years of constant doctors and chemos and stuff. But, um, you know, so much good did come out of it. You know, we, you know, she's doing wonderful and, um, you know, has gone to the arts, you know, as an outlet to, um which is really cool because you would think she doesn't have a whole lot of memories from that time. Cause she was so young, mm-hmm. but she does remember all the art we did and all the creative things we did. We've saved everything, you know, we have things to look back on. And, mm-hmm. so. If you like this video, please uh, share it with your friends and leave a comment or rate this podcast. Thanks so much. Okay, I'm going to switch again and ask Sensei. Um, how do you find new clients? I can't tell you my secrets. Oh, you kind of have to, maybe. <laughs> In my former life, I was a real estate agent. Okay. And... The one thing I learned was take care of the person that's in front of you. And from there, that person will speak highly of you, right? So they essentially act as your billboard. They act as another form of of advertisement. That's one. Two is... There are so many unconventional ways to reach new people. So whether that's doing a local pop-up within our city, whether that is locating a a new venue that we would like to place art in, Mm -hmm. whether that is building databases from every individual that you've come in contact with and you have their phone number, you have their birth date, you have their email address, and you can compartmentalize those individuals based off of buying behavior. So um, within our system, we have 
our email database is broken down into who has purchased what. So I know everyone who has purchased Courtney's work. And if Courtney is going to release a new series of work or a new piece of work, it only makes sense to reach out to those people first. Um, so, and from there, that database and that group of people just continuously grows. Um, another thing that we began to do was create our own physical lookbooks of the work. Mm -hmm. So if there are five to seven, 10, 12 pieces that we would like to highlight and really push, yes, the internet is really, really, it's the newfound land. It really is. And there's still a lot of things that are undiscovered about the internet in regards to e-commerce, but also people within our region still live in a very physical world. Uh, they want to hold it. They want to touch it. They want to physically look at it. Um, so we still have to meet them in the middle, right? We have to meet mm -hmm. them in the middle to say, here, hold on to this. This is physically what we have for you to look at versus please go check us out on social media or please go check us out on our website. So another thing is really meeting people where they are. Um, everything that people like to do, the activities that individuals like to do here in Baton Rouge or in Louisiana, we will kind of meet them halfway on that. Uh, Louisiana is a, <laughs> uh, people love to have fun. And whether that means they're just getting together with or without alcohol, usually it's, it's, with, <laughs> it's with their favorite alcohol. So I put myself in the mind frame of what would a, what would a consumer or what would someone who really loves art like to do? Sometimes they love to go to happy hour, regardless of whether that's two in the afternoon or five in the afternoon. So nothing stops me from contacting a restaurant or a very popular bar and saying, hey, I would like to do an artist happy hour uh, where uh, we will come in and essentially post up, allow the artist to get an opportunity to mingle with the, uh, the guests that are coming in, mingle with the staff that is actually there, and again, build education, and then that education then turns into sales. Uh, another really cool idea we did a few years ago was you're familiar with paying it forward, right? Somebody in line mm -hmm. buys your cup of mm -hmm. coffee or buys your meal, and then you pay it forward and you purchase the person's order behind you. But we did something called pay it artwork, um, which was an amazing opportunity that we did. We did art giveaways. We did museum giveaways. We allowed people to spin a spin wheel for their opportunity to win uh, originally hand, original hand painted art. And it was a really huge success. Um, and everyone who actually came out, we purchased their coffee. We purchased their cup of coffee and they could donate and they can also get an opportunity to win some sort of art collectible from close to 20 to 30 participants uh, that were creatives that we worked with to pull that event off. So it's really finding what your community and what your niche is really involved in and how you can organically tie that into art and it makes sense versus it feeling forced. Right. There's an art show every week. So what's going to be different? What's going to be more creative that will catch new people's attention? So that's 
that's probably my number one uh, trick is partnering with individuals. It's <laughs> my number one secret. Partnering with individuals who have like minds for the art that, that we do. It makes it easier. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the one. The second one, the second one we'll, um, we'll do a paywall for you and I. I pay for the secrets. <laughs> I see. <laughs> um, so what's the average price range of art, of art that you sell? So you see, there's this piece behind me. Um, and there's, well, you can see two pieces behind me. Uh, those, uh, the smaller piece that you see, that one ranges from 100. That one is about 500. That's the larger piece. But there are some pieces that are $25. There are some pieces that are thousands of dollars. It depends on the artist. I try not to get too focused on, you know, I'll, I'll calculate what the average sale price is. But I don't like to dictate what an artist is going to sell their work for unless I truly believe that they're underpricing the artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, if, they, if I believe that they're truly underpricing the artwork, then I'll speak with them more in depth about raising the price because I believe that the value may be higher. Um, But it also depends on where we are selling the art. If you're selling the art in a gallery, we have that ability to have a piece that's thousands of dollars versus doing a happy hour event like we spoke about and you're selling a piece of work for thousands of dollars. It just doesn't translate into, uh, it doesn't translate at all. Um, the likelihood of somebody walking into a restaurant or into a small pop-up venue and purchasing a piece that's thousands of dollars is very slim, but they will purchase something that's, you know, 100 or less that they can pick up and just walk away with. Mm-hmm. So a few hundred bucks, I would say, would probably be the average. Okay. Yeah, because okay. the goal really for us has been to get the art out there into homes. I mean, there's no reason to exclude people from art. Mm-hmm. You know. No, it's um I I think it's very good to know um because uh artists often get stuck on pricing and don't know how to price their art. Mm, yeah. And so I think I it's think... always kind of a battle. We always kind of go mm-hmm. back and forth about that. Like, you know, am I asking enough or is it you know, there's always mm-hmm. that battle. But like you know, it said it's, I mean, the, it's, I'm more likely to spell, sell that thousand dollar piece. If I go to a small mixer and bring smaller pieces and they get to see my work versus, mm-hmm. you know, seeing everything all at once in a big giant art show, you know, mm-hmm. they get to kind of get a feel for it. And then we get a feel for them. And that has led to long-term, you know, collecting of art and selling those larger pieces. Mm-hmm. But but ultimately, I just feel like, you know, we feel all feel very strongly that art shouldn't be excluded from any, you know, mm-hmm. any price range. Like it should be available to everybody, whether they have, you know, $15 or, you know, $15,000, you know. Yeah, there's been uh, individuals that I know on Courtney's journey that she's met at a, a local art festival that grew into being able to install pieces inside of their corporate company, mm-hmm. you know, and a corporate company 
as in like on the Fortune 500 level. So, you know, you can start at a $25 price point, but if those people really gravitate to your work, they gravitate to your personality, the young lady calls back and says, hey, listen, my executives really love your work. Okay, well, we're on the way. So... Yeah. And, and then we have those customers that are the collectors that come in and they'll buy a, a smaller piece. And then throughout the year, they might buy 15 small pieces. I'm thinking mm-hmm. this person has nothing but my art and small works in their house. And they've spent hundreds of mm-hmm. dollars, but they've purchased many, you know, smaller pieces. And that's always, I mean, that's always fun for them to continue to come back and, and purchase, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that you have stuff that they can, that they're able to do that on a regular basis somewhat regular basis i mean i i see what you are saying because um usually uh, um it's difficult for artists to start selling but um as soon as you get your foot in the door (laughs) uh you are able to sell more to the same clients and sometimes those people buy for many years so uh it makes a lot of sense what you're saying why do you paint you know now as you know i just turned 47 like a a week ago was it a week ago (laughs) (laughs) thank you and I think about that a lot. I actually think about that question quite often. Like, why, why do I do this? It's, you know, it's, you know, it's not to be a millionaire, obviously it's, you know, and why I would not? continue. Well, that would be fabulous. <laughs> I mean, that's Lanya, you know, like I, it's the focus for me, I believe is, and I think for every artist out there or every individual is that you need a place. Everybody needs a place to belong. Mm-hmm. And when and feel like they're contributing, you know, to, to life itself, to society itself. And mm-hmm. for years, I never, I didn't have that, you know, I was, I was raising kids. I was, you know, in the, the trenches. And um, when things got a little quiet, it was, you know, even after art journaling for several years with, you know, going through with Sophia, I felt like, you know, and even today, it's like when I walk in here, whether it was my used to be my closet was my studio before this, um, wherever my studio was at the time when I walked in, it was that place where there is um, there is unconditional love. There's always a canvas or a journal ready for me to make my marks, to to pour into it. And um and it's non-discriminative. It just, I can come in here at any state. I can feel any way that I want and I can just put it out there and it may never leave this room, but, um, it's, it's my home. Ultimately mm-hmm. it's my personal little home. And I think, you know, and that's what draws me back day after day to create. And, um, and I just love it. I, you know, as far as, you know, being 47, there's nothing more to make you feel like a child or a teenager again is to just color, throw paint, you know, get messy. Cause I'm, as you can see, I'm a very messy painter. <laughs> I'm a very messy artist. And that feels so good. There's nothing like it. There really isn't, you know, when every day is, is rules and things you have to do and you have to accomplish and you have to make this meeting or you have to bring the kids here, come in here and you just let all that go. I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? 
Yeah, it's it's very freeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It well, is. Nobody can tell me whether I'm right or wrong. Like I have mm-hmm. the right to be both of those things when I'm in here. You know. Mm-hmm. So so it just it just feels good. That's why I keep doing it. It just feels good. Where do you envision yourself in ten years? Me in 10 yeah. years? That's yeah. so funny because when people ask me that, my immediate thought is, how old will my kids be? So in 10 years, my son will be 25. As an artist, I don't live, you know, and even as a mom, I, you know, I don't live too far in the future. You know, mm-hmm. I've learned that this is what I have is today, you know. So, you know, I, I'm happy where I'm at now. It wouldn't disappoint me if I was right here still in my studio. Um, I know a lot of people would be like, I want to be, you know, in these huge museums and all, look, I want all the things. I want all the things and I want to learn how to do all the things. Um, you know, I just, I, in 10 years, I just, I'm hoping I'm able to just continue sharing my art. I'm able to keep doing it. Um, I hope in 10 years I have more of it out there, you know, um, just like any artist, you know, I would like to have more solo shows and I like to do all these things, but when it all comes down to it, I just hope I can continue doing this, that this practice, mm-hmm. you know, still, still goes on, you know, at 47, 57, 77, 87, you know. I'm going to ask you a, a technical question about your painting. Like, do you do any textures or like, uh, how do you layer paint? Um, I'm surprised. Sensei doesn't jump in there and say, oh, she continues just to paint over all her old work. <laughs> I'm trying to hold on to the secrets. I just want the interview to be compelling without being <laughs> compelling. <laughs> that is a, a habit I have. I like to paint over things. But um, ultimately, what I, the way that I approach my work if, as a blank canvas, I just I just start. Like, I, I, you know, whether it's writing or pouring or, you know, putting texture down with collage or anything like that. My work is based on that, that decision dictates the next decision. So the paintings can be um, like this one behind me is, is a very flat painting, but has lots of movement. Um, The one I, you know, there's ones that I will paint on continually for, for months and all the, texture and the things that come out of it is really serendipitous it's it's based you know it's just whatever that decision was right before it created the next movement that created that texture so it's just all in that moment um and it's all very different each painting is so so different and I can't ever recreate a painting like Mm -hmm. I can use the same colors I can use the same tools but it will not look anything like the next, the painting before it. Um, it always blows my mind with other artists, how they can do that. Like, I think that is like, it's just so wild. I'm like, I, I would love to be able to, I just, I just can't do it. I, it just doesn't happen. It, everything is so in the moment. I'm a very fast painter too. So I move mm-hmm. very fast. Um, but I will try anything once. So as far as like what I put down on my, you know, I use, you name it, I've tried it. Mm-hmm. And it's probably in a painting somewhere out there, but, you know, I, I never can recreate it. So 
you no, sound like, you sound like you're you're a very spontaneous person <laughs> like uh, when i work on <laughs> on my art it would be like a month of planning you know <laughs> <laughs> Yes, and that's how, like, my daughter and I are so different artists because she does that hyper-realism, so she takes, she, she takes so much time, um, she's a fast painter also, but in that world, it's, she's just very detailed, just little details, and I'm like, come on, let's go, let's go, you know, so I am, I'm very fast, spontaneous, it works, sometimes it doesn't, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't dwell on things too long you know, whether they're working or not. I'm like, if it works, great. Let's move on to the next thing. If it doesn't. Yeah. It's interesting to see how artists' uh, personality shows on canvas. And yeah, you're speaking to that. Yeah. I, I hear it now, too, as I'm talking, yeah. as I say it out loud. I'm, yeah. I'm very spontaneous in, in other things, too. <laughs> 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 I just look at that. Uh, so, Sensei, what's your biggest challenge as a business owner? That's an interesting question. The biggest challenge mm-hmm. would be understanding that every decision that I make is not is is going to impact more than just myself. Mm-hmm. So, everything that I do has the ability to impact every single person that I work with, every single gallery that I work with, every single partner that I work with. So um, creating creating a culture where understanding that sometimes leadership is also about following. Mm-hmm. And that's something I have to work on with myself every every single day. So I, I would say that's probably probably my my biggest that's to me the biggest challenge. Of course, we know you have to make money, you have to pay bills. All, all of those things mm-hmm. just naturally come with life and operating any business. But if we're speaking about the intangibles of actually running and operating an organization or a business or a practice, it's going to me going to be that leadership sometimes takes a lot of following to actually get it right. Okay. That was such an elegant way of saying my hardest challenge is dealing with all these artists. (laughs) I love dealing with artists. uh, Because I, I truly believe that I am an artist. I grew up, I know how to draw. I know how to paint. I just choose not to, but Mm -hmm. people are always saying, well, you know, Artists are extremely sensitive. Artists are ex- extremely problematic. Well, I, I think to a degree that <laughs> we, it we depends all on the person. Yeah, it depends on the person. I, I don't yeah. think that Courtney is problematic. I don't think that any of the artists that we work with are, mm-hmm. are problematic. I think they're fun. They give me a new way of actually thinking about things. They give me a new way of saying, "Oh, this is how we can accomplish it." Accomplish it. So it just to me opens my mind up to not think as one and zero, but maybe ones and zeros, but a lot of red paint and a lot of blue paint over there. And you kind of mix it together and you can create something that's really beautiful. What's your vision as a business owner? Uh, Number one is the education of, of art and, and 
I think the the reason that most artists are extremely successful or become successful in their own right by however they define their success is they were able to truly translate what their art means to a specific group of people. Mm-hmm. What their art means to them to a specific group of people. I think the more that individuals are educated about art mm-hmm. and and the reason that art is vital to our niche communities as well as communities at large, then the more successful art programs become, the more successful independent artists become, the more successful their galleries become, because it's all about the, the education of it. You know, when someone truly understands that if they purchase a piece of art from an artist, whether that person is local or whether that person has a opportunity to mass produce with, with a national chain, it all started with one individual artist. And the purchase of that piece actually helps to revolve economy. In, in my mind, that's the way I think of it. I think uh, whether it's a $20 piece or whether it's a $2,000 piece, that money is funneled back into uh, an ecosystem where that artist now has the ability to continue to create mm-hmm. and that that artist also has the ability to support other artists or support other businesses within their community. That That is, that's where we're going with this. I think when people understand how economics work, how societies work, and it, it, it helps to say, you know, I really should support that particular artist. I really should introduce that individual to this specific group of people. That, that's the way I view it. I view it as a very uh, long, long term. I'm all about the slow walk versus just the, you know, quick stride to get there. I think there's a lot of rocks that forget to be turned over. When we're just in such a rush to achieve what we see other people have achieved or achieve what we believe that they have achieved. Okay. Thank you for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Is there anything else you'd like to add to this conversation? Both of you. I would love to just give my art away. I would give it to everybody that passed by that said they loved it. But I have to. I would like to continue to make art. <laughs> so that that's another aspect of things that I think you know we want our collectors to know is that we if we don't have collectors we can't continue doing what we're doing, mm-hmm. and that's why it's just it's you know getting into that community and learning about these individuals you know is has is really you know I think for in the forefront for Element OP and for all of us the artists that are you know, move forward with them. And I just think that's so cool. You know, it's building more than just a clientele. Mm-hmm. Much more than that. So You touch up on a very good point, I think, because a lot of artists just do art and they want to share and give it away or gift it. Um, but what I, I find personally... Art shouldn't be gifted and because people don't appreciate the gift most of the time. <laughs> it becomes like a seesaw, like you want to give it away, but at the same time, you know that you really shouldn't. 
and you need to be paid for your work otherwise you're not going to make a living and like you said they we put so much of our our soul into this element of p put so much of their soul into mm-hmm. supporting us and getting things out there you know you have to I mean, you have to sell. There's no way around it. Do you consider yourself being a good uh, salesperson or no? Say, I personally would say no. (laughs) And Keith just shaking his head, yes. I'd love to, you know, as much as I'd love to be alone and in my studio, I do love to talk to people about my Mm -hmm. art, art in general. I mean, I could talk art all day long and never take breath. So um, on as far as that, you know, is concerned, I mean, I love, and I'm an open book about anything so I love it when people ask me questions I mean I may not have the answers or I may not have the answers they want but you know like a lot of people ask me well what were you thinking when you made this piece and I'm like I don't I am so in the moment I have no idea like you know they want this (laughs) big romantic answer and sometimes I don't have those answers sometimes it is just what it is but I do um I do enjoy talking to people about you know mm-hmm. my work and stuff so yeah I, I can see you're a very good salesperson <laughs> I, I just want to hear your uh self-assessment yeah I still find it kind of cringy you know to um like I still find Instagram cringy I always have I mean I've been on it forever and I still find it cringy to like put my thoughts and work out there but um I just have to get over myself I do you know I could definitely sell somebody else's stuff probably quicker than I could sell my own, mm-hmm. you know, just that, that imposter, you know, syndrome sneaks on up. And... Because there is no attachment. I mean, you're attached yeah. to your work, so it becomes a lot harder. You know, when I moved, uh, it took me two days to sell all my furniture. <laughs> I wish I could yeah. do the same for my art, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, and, 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 you know, you try to not be emotional about it when people are looking to put it into their homes and things, Mm -hmm. because, you know, you've got to let the collector kind of pave their own journey with the art and not push your journey on them, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's, it's like music. It, It means different things to so many different people. So anything else to add, Sensei? Uh, I, I loved when I, I love that question when people ask well, what was the artist thinking when they were painting this or what does it mean to the artist mm-hmm. and you know for me I may know the true story or I may not know the, the story of what they were thinking but I also love to learn what does the viewer think what do you think it means and what does it mean to you what does it make what does it make uh, you feel I think that's more of an appropriate question versus asking the artist, hey, what does right. this mean? Because I've been around some really talented artists and you ask them what the art means and, <laughs> and they just won't give you an answer, you know, because. Well, it's like what Sean always says about his music. You let the viewer do the heavy lifting. Let the yeah. listener do the heavy lifting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, agree with I that. think it's a very good uh, conversation point because and artists need to think about those topics because mm-hmm. otherwise it's difficult to find the connection. And when whenever artist uh, explains his or her art, 
you know, the viewer becomes more involved and it creates a connection and, and a good conversation, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah it's like storytelling. Mm-hmm. And there's that fine line of of telling a story and trying to convince somebody. And I think that's where a lot of artists kind of between the sales and the explaining of your art, you have to walk that fine line where, you know, I I need to leave some things out for the viewer, you know. And there's art out there that is very specific and this is exactly what it means. You know, you have that political art, you have the the um the hyper-realism art and, and that's, you know, that has very specific, you know, words behind it. Whereas with abstract, there's, it's that fine line of, you know, way, the why I painted it and the way I feel may not even be close to what the viewer feels. And I never want to impose that on them. Well, tell me where people can find you guys if they want to connect. <laughs> well, I am on Instagram, see Miley art. Um, and then, and on there is also a link to all my work for Element OP um, and everything that they showcase for me. We can be found all across the world wide web. So the site is <laughs> elementop.art, right? So just says someone would have a .com, we have a .art, and it's spelled E-L-L-E-M-N-O-P.art. And there you'll find full collections from various artists, as well as all of the current exhibitions that we have throughout uh, the city. Very good. Well, thanks so much, guys, for sharing your wisdom. I enjoyed our conversation very much. Yeah, you've been fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having us. Okay. Take care. All right. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for watching. Uh, All the links are in the show notes. Uh, Take care. Bye-bye.